Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hi, my name is Craig Richardson, and welcome to a special edition of Mind to Heart. In this show, we take a journey from our logical, critical mind to the power center of our heart where real transformation occurs. My guests help us understand our journeys by telling them about their paths and lessons they learned along the way. It's an honor for me today to be filling in for Dr. Pat, our fearless leader and founder of Transformation Radio. We wish her Godspeed in her recovery. Our health is one of the most important aspects of our lives. And when we are faced with serious illnesses and we approach it with faith, spirit, and an open heart, it can be remarkably transformational. My guest today, Christina Baum, has been through such an experience. She was working away on a communications career in our nation's capital and by any measure was enjoying great success. However, Christina's life would change forever as with the trajectory she would take starting in 2012 when she was first diagnosed with melanoma. Instead of letting her illness get her down, Christina faced her greatest challenge with vigor and courage, and in doing so, lives a full and rich life today. She's also become a beacon of light and inspiration for others. Anyone who's met Christina is immediately taken by her grace and her warmth. Her smile can light up any room, and there's a depth to her that's unusual. She's used her cancer illness, which reoccurred two additional times, to help others who struggle with the same illness. She is an outspoken for patients' rights, and using her professional background in national policy, she advocates for access to non-FDA-approved drugs. And if that's not enough, she's become an avid runner and has successfully completed such marathons as the New York City. She runs with the intention of raising money for cancer research and will be taking her cause to Chicago later this year when she participates in that marathon. And by doing so, she becomes an inspiration for everybody she comes in contact with. So it's my pleasure now to bring in my guest, Christina Baum. Christina, welcome to Mind to Heart. Thank you for having me, Craig. Well, it's great to see you. I, I'm, I'm friends of yours on Facebook, so I noticed that you had just spent a few days of R&R in, in, uh, in the sunshine. Where, where were you exactly? Uh, I was in Turks and Caicos. Uh, I was with a bunch of girlfriends there just celebrating uh, a 40th birthday of one of my closest friends. Well, it looked neat. I even saw a picture of you jumping off a cliff, so... <laughs> That must be part of, uh, you know, as, 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 as I described to you, you've taken life with, with, with great vigor. So it's great to have you on here. So I'd like to start, as I, as I talked to you initially about the show, my show is about journey. So uh, I think the, <coughs> the best place to start with you is the beginning. Uh, you, you know, I, I, can you give us a little bit of background on, you know, where you grew up, the type of family environment you had and, and, and things like that? Sure. So I, I grew up, um, I was born in Miami. Florida and um, Florida kid. So um, both my parents raised me there and um, my mom was pretty active, put herself through school. And uh, my dad worked in the airline industry for um, his entire life. So um, grew up there and I just grew up near the beach and the ocean and uh, with lots of sun and it was a great time. And I uh, started riding horses when I was nine, so I did that for about 15 years as well. I uh, went to high school in Sarasota, Florida, so on the other coast, um, so on the Gulf side, and um, it was it was a great time. Yeah, and in Florida, it has, you know, has that, I had cousins growing up, I grew up in the opposite and in, in the cold New England, and we used to love to go down there, they lived in Miami as well, and it just seems like that, you know, that's such an active lifestyle. And what got you uh, interested in, in traveling north to the nation's capital? So I had gone to University of South Florida for my first two years of college. And then I actually got a scholarship, uh, an equestrian scholarship to transfer to a small school in Missouri 
uh, where I went my back two years. So in fact, that was, I think the first time I actually saw it actually snow was when I went to <laughs> college my junior year. So, um, and then what was important was I started interning at the Capitol between my sophomore, junior summer. So that was my very first time I interned for Congressman Dan Miller of the Florida Congressional's 13th district. And so it was a short-term internship. I was there for maybe four weeks, but I had an absolute blast. It was an amazing office to intern with. And um, as an intern, I mean, this is going to definitely date myself, but email wasn't like the best like form of communication in a lot of ways. So there was not Blackberries or anything like that. So um, back then, whenever people wanted to invite interns to like a lunch or dinner or anything like that, they would send a fax. So uh, my job was to go and collect all the faxes and divvy it up to all the policy staff in the office. And that was actually a lot of fun because half the time the policy staff didn't want to go to any of these briefings or luncheons. And so I would get to go instead. So um, when you're 19 years old in the nation's capital, going to a little briefing you know, <laughs> by the Council on Foreign Relations on Iraq reconstruction sounded like the coolest thing ever. <laughs> so um, that's kind of how I kind of cut my teeth on how Washington worked a little bit and getting to, to learn. Um, it was that same summer I was invited to a, uh, it was an intern series uh, guest speaker situation that APAC did. Um, and so they had at the time, <clears throat> uh, he was at the time White House Press Secretary Ari Fleischer, who was speaking, um, it was somewhere in DuPont and it was this big ornate room. I can't remember where it was. And so uh, I went and basically it's just Ari Fleischer is up there answering all these rapid fire questions from all these college kids. <laughs> And so, I mean, on every topic you can imagine, and I just remember thinking, this is amazing. Like, this guy is so talented. Like, he's he's answering these questions, but not, like, actually answering some of these questions, but you think he is. And The Potomac two-step, right? Is that the call? Yes, and, <laughs> right. And, I mean, he did it flawlessly. And I just remember thinking, wow, this is an, this is an amazing talent to really uh, – craft words in a way that is just so surgical. Um, and I'm also not good at math. So, which as most communicators aren't, so. I can attest, yeah. <laughs> so I just thought, wow, this is amazing. And I was always really good. I, uh, my scores were always good at the comprehension reading and words. So I'm like, well, maybe this is my thing. And um, so that's kind of what kicked off me being very interested in communications and in the political sphere. And then I went back and interned the following summer. I gave up a summer uh, studying Spanish in Costa Rica oh, wow. to go back you, to DC. You, where you I definitely interned. were hooked then, right? Yeah, so interned for Catherine Harris the following summer who was the new incumbent for that same district. Um, and it just kind of took off from there. That's great. And then, and then, so, so you, that first experience and second clearly said that this is where I want to, I, I don't necessarily, I mean, I love horses and I love Florida, but, but, but this is where I want to go. And so you, you came there immediately following, is that right? Immediately following your graduation? Uh, yeah. So after I graduated, I actually started working um, for the Mel Martinez Senate campaign. And then also with Bush Cheney 04 down in Florida Um just, I started off as a volunteer, really, and um, really, I put everything into that, and then they asked me to come on staff full-time, so then I did that, and that was a field director down there, and we obviously won, which was great, so um, I was one in, one and oh for a long time with campaigns, <laughs> <laughs> so it worked out great, and I think from then it just kind of snowballed. So I then did kind of a little bit of a, a stint abroad in Brussels. And then um, that parlayed into me coming back to the Hill where I was in LC for a little bit. And um, then I went back and was a reporter in Houston for a time doing energy. What, what, excuse me, what, what, what were you, were you just a beat reporter? You were doing- uh, did Yeah, so I- particular issue. Yeah, so I worked for a trade publication um, on energy, specifically oil commodities, so all your petrochemicals. So it was a little bit more uh, downstream, but it it was very interesting work that I got to 
really empathize with reporters when they're trying to build sources and reach out for comment. And um, I mean, I was hung up on, I can't tell you how many times, you know, by different people, like just trying to get information and be a good reporter. Yeah, and I, I think that's important, obviously, now in your later career, so to have been on on both sides of, of that aisle, you can see, and then you can also see, you know, clearly, as you saw first with Ari Fleischer, you know, as a reporter, you're not overly interested in, in, in playing dodgeball, are you? And so it's, that's kind of the part of that, part of that cat and mouse game. So that, what, what year roughly was that, that, that you came back to Washington? Um, so that was probably about 2006. And, and, and then, and you continued working in energy issues at that time? Uh, so, so yeah, I was back here. I was in LC in 2006, went back, I went to Houston, was an energy reporter there. And then I didn't come back to DC until about 2010, I guess. And I actually came back up here to work at a church. So I was on staff full time with McLean Bible Church doing mission work there. That's not too far from me, yeah. Yeah, so I was there doing that. And then um, long story short, I soon realized that working at a church wasn't going to pay in my student loans. So, <laughs> sure, absolutely. so I needed to make some money. And so that kind of moved into, uh, I went back to being a reporter for a little bit. Great. Well, we're, so we're at about 2010. I think I'm going to go ahead and take a break uh, now because what I'd like to do is, is you know, from the second segment on is, is then get into, you know, your cancer uh, and, and then how that's really impacted your life. So when we come back to mind to heart, um, we'll, we'll get into Christina's story, uh, picking it up in 2012. And, and can you give a, uh, an email address or a website or something? So if people want to get a hold of you, um, sure. You can just reach me on Twitter at Christina bomb. Um, also my Instagram, I have an Instagram that's public, which is called, uh, at K bomb runs and that's at K B A U M runs R U N S. Great. And, and for those who want to get a hold of me, my website is Craig E Richardson.com. So let's take a, a, a short break here and we'll pick you up on the other side. Thank you. For how do you feel? Just okay? Well, how about you tune in and get ready to be more with The Healing Hour with me, Doc Martin, every third Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. I'm ready for your questions, and I can't wait to help you find the answers. Every month, we'll have a new live call-in show with innovative topics and a powerful hour of healing. To learn more about me, visit DrSharonMartin.com. See you there. I'm going to be here. You won't want to miss it. Tune in to The Jen Royster Show, intuitive guidance to inspire your life, each Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific and 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This amazing show is an inspirational hour that will take you on an epic metaphysical journey to discover the spiritual approach to life's greatest challenges. Dr. Jen is an internationally known intuitive counselor, spiritual teacher, and energy healer. Call in for intuitive readings and visit JenRoyster.com for more information. Are you ready to invest in your best self? Join Sabrina Wright as she shares tools for creating joy and balance in your life every single day. Sabrina is here to help you become your greatest advocate and empower you to make decisions that will help you live your best life. The Live the Good Life Show, connecting your physical and spiritual self every second Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Find Sabrina at the right, W-R-I-G-H-T, balance.com. We remember a time when you could simply form a thought and it would manifest. The harmony was forgotten, but it is returning now. The Power of Inspiration and Awakening Radio with Juliet Griffin on TransformationTalkRadio.com each second and fourth Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific will take you on adventures through the heart and spirit exploring who we once were. This intuitive healer studied under the guidance of wolves, learning from their wisdom to master a higher frequency for a new state of mind. Visit OneTrueSelf.com. Welcome to Light Body Wisdom with internationally known Light Body Whisperer, Grace Holm. She will make you laugh and yawn as you release lifetimes of trauma and begin to feel much lighter. Your divine gifts may be activated, allowing you to weave light into the fabric of the world. Are you ready to be your own light and shine? For more information about Grace, visit gracegholm.com. That's gracegholm.com. Hi, welcome back to Mind to Heart with Craig Richardson filling in today for Dr. Pat. Uh, Christina, can you give your uh, Twitter handle out again for folks? 
Sure. It's at Christina Baum, and that's Christina with a K, last name Baum, B-A-U-M. So it's just at Christina Baum, all, no spaces, no characters. Okay, great. And, and my website, again, is craigyrichardson.com. Christina, before the break, uh, you had given us uh, the exciting history of how you came to Washington as an intern and then returned, and then we were roughly in that pre-period. Can you can you walk us through how the that the cancer diagnosis happened and you know what it you know how how all that experience was because i imagine you know i i you know i grew up in washington i know what it's or didn't grow up but i've been here and i know you sort of live a happy-go-lucky life and i'm can you walk us through a little bit about you know the symptoms and how that all happened yeah so it was 2012 and i had just started a new job with a public relations firm um so when i was working at the church prior to that i didn't even have health insurance so it was really a miracle <laughs> that um, I had accepted this job where I could have health insurance. And so um, I had just kind of this spot on my arm. It was colorless. It would look, I guess, just like kind of like a bug bite or maybe like a wart, something like that. And um, I had gone to my primary care just because I had a cold, uh, just kind of your average cold. And so I said, hey, will you take a look at this? And so she said, you know, she's like, I don't like the way that looks like, let's make a plan to remove it. And I said, okay, great. Well, I started this new job. So I just kind of kept putting it off and putting it off. And then um, about three months later, I, it was about September and things were starting to get a little chilly, you know, in the DC area. And um, my friends and I, we were all going to go out dancing, um, just like country dancing for one time. And I have this cute sleeveless shirt that I wanted to wear, but it was kind of getting bigger. And I was just kind of, I didn't like the aesthetics. I was just like, I don't like this thing on my arm. It's getting bigger. And I almost said to myself, like, well, it's almost going to be winter. I don't want to take time off work to go deal with it. I'll just start wearing more sleeves. You know, thank God I didn't do that. So finally, I just made a plan on, I guess, like a Tuesday to go take care of it. And my boss was like, oh my gosh, are you okay? Is everything fine? And I was just like, yeah, yeah, like it's just, I'll be in and out, like no big deal. So I go there and they just did a punch biopsy and I, that was last I thought of it. I couldn't care. I totally forgot about it. So for you, it did, it was, you didn't think it was cancer. So it was just something. You, you, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Like just no big deal. So then about six days later, so I actually had worked a full day, like things were kind of crazy. And I had met a reporter um, from Bloomberg actually for lunch. And I don't know why that just had stood out to me because I was just so busy. I mean, you know how it is. And so then about 4.45, I got a call and it was my primary care doctor. And I just remember thinking like, well, my doctor never calls me. So this is really strange. And and I was like, why is she calling me? And then I thought, oh, like, oh, yeah, I had that test done. And then I started to get a little nervous. And then <clears throat> she said, well, it's melanoma. Well, I didn't even know what melanoma was at the time. And she just starts talking. And then she, it just starts to feel like when you're in that phone conversation, it just sounds like Charlie Brown teacher, you know, where yeah. you're just kind of picking out certain words. And I feel like most cancer patients will, will say very similar. So I remember she dropped the word surgeon and then she drops the word oncologist and, and it's all kind of fast. And I'm trying to write things down and I don't know what any of this means and like different numbers. And so um, she's giving me a referral to a different clinic and it just all sounded really serious. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like I knew like stages. I was like, well, what stage is this? And she says, we don't know. And I was like, well, well, what are you saying exactly? She's like, Christina, you have cancer. And I just remember like that hit me between the, the eyes and I was just like, started crying. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like this is that phone call that you just never expected to get. And I mean, at the time I was only 30 years old. So um, I was obviously shocked, didn't know what to do. Um, so I just tried to compose myself and I reached out to uh my my boss i walked down there and he'd seen that i was crying and he invited me to come in and i just started crying and mm -hmm. he was just like take all the time you need do whatever you need to do um he's like let's call him right now so we 
we call the clinic and of course they closed at five. So oh, no. <laughs> I had to wait all the way until the next day to like even reach someone to schedule my next appointments. So it was a, it was a really tough day. And then of course, after I talked to my boss, I had to deal with calling each of my parents, you know, mm. and talking to them, which is a difficult conversation because they're just as confused and unsure as I was, you know, what's in had store. Had you had any of this in the family before or was this? Mm, no. Yeah. Just me. probably being the, with the fair skin and the, in the sun, probably. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that must've be hard. Cause it's, you know, normally they get those phone calls or check-ins and how are you doing? And I got this promotion or whatever. And, and just like you, it's, you had to relive all that again and again. Yeah. Yeah. So went through those same phone calls three times. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and, uh, you know, other than sort of, I can imagine that first day or, or even longer, you sort of feel gut punched. Um, mm -hmm. But it sounds like you, you approached it sort of in a way that you would any kind of policy issue. What are my options? What is that? Is that how you approached it? I mean, what, what, what does this look like? What is it? What, what should I do? Or <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, the way that the clinic had set it up, they put all your appointments in one day. So you meet with your surgeon, your oncologist, and your um, oncological dermatologist. And so you kind of go through the whole gamut, and they kind of walk you through what the recommended course of action is. So for me, <clears throat> they recommended immediate surgery to remove it, um, which is they call a wide excision surgery, and to do what they call a sentinel lymph node biopsy. So... For me, it was a pretty extensive surgery because I guess my tumor was rather large. So um, it was a very long day. <laughs> mm. um, I was pretty exhausted and you have to fast for most of that uh, time. And um, the results of that first surgery, the pathology kind of determines what they do next. And then for me, my sentinel lymph node had cancer. So we had to do a second surgery that was more extensive where they did what they call left axilla dissection. Actually, a lot of breast cancer patients have the same surgery where they go in and they remove the entire sleeve of lymph nodes uh, on one side. So I had 18 lymph nodes removed altogether. And um, so fortunately, none of those tested positive with the additional ones. So I, the first, my first diagnosis, I was stage 3A. Um, <clears throat> and at the time there were no advanced immunotherapies approved for stage 3A. So I had to take an old drug called interferon alpha 2B, which was miserable. Mm -hmm. So that drug was awful and they use it for a few other things now still, I think, um, maybe hepatitis and uh, several, several others, but, um, I mean, like I lost most of my hair, the wow. fatigue is just terrible. Like you feel nauseous and sick all the time. You basically feel like you have the flu and it's like that for about a year. And Ooh. you do about a month of it intensive in the hospital where you're getting it every day. And then you get it every other day until you reach like nine or 10 months. Um, so I can only last six months. I, I finally self withdrew. I was just like, I can't take this anymore. Yeah, this is not, I mean, the quality of life must be, and, and you exactly. were still trying to work during this time. Were you not? I mean, <clears throat> so during the first one, when I did the month intensive, um, my employer encouraged me just to take time off work. So I did that. Um, and then I came back in about a month later, so only one month. And then I continued to try to work. And then we started having some issues where we thought it might have popped up in my lungs. Mm. And so my employer just kind of gave me a few months to just recuperate and kind of physically get back to where I need to be. And so that was really helpful um, to have that time. So um, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was a lot, but that was the only time I'd ever taken off work cancer specifically yeah and because it, it's important right is an important part of the treatment is to be back as a normal schedule and to be around because you don't otherwise you sort of sit at home right and and you know exactly yeah and it's it's a i think a lot of ways it can be more mentally challenging than physical mm. yeah i mean absolutely and and you know this the, the and I suppose that you meet there, you, you found a support group, I assume, or, or through some of this thing, or did that come out? <clears throat> yeah, so the first time I went through cancer, I did start attending a, a young adult, young adults with cancer support group. I think it was connected with Life with Cancer, which is connected to ANOVA. 
Um, and they were great. It was so important to connect with other people that were in the same walk of life as I was. Um, because I do think when you're in a young adult with cancer, you're dealing with different things. I mean, you still have like a lot of work life left in you. I mean, dating and just all these other factors, like most of your friends don't know anyone with cancer. Um, so I think just trying to navigate those issues was, were, it was really important to me to just have someone where I just didn't feel alone in those struggles. Um, and it was really life-giving uh, to me to weather that with a group of people. Um, a few I'm still like really good friends with to this day. So, um, but the flip side of that is when you're in a support group like that, there are people that will die. So, yeah, that, so I have definitely lost a, a good chunk of friends along the way uh, to cancer. So it's, it's bittersweet, but I would say the benefits outweigh the risks. Okay, well, we're going to take another break because this is the part that, you know, we really want to get into a little bit more and also your own personal faith, because I think this is this has to be part of the, the mix if, to somebody who, who was who was tackled this the way it is. So when we get back, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. After break. Thank you. Learn how to lead a happier life on Miles to Go with Brittany Miles, how to lose to gain it all. Join Brittany every second and fourth Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Listen as coach and healer Brittany Miles shares stories that teach you about surrender. For more information about Brittany, MilesToGoCoaching.com. Healing has a ripple effect. One person's healing affects everyone around them. This is where the power of sharing our stories can be so important. Tune in to Playing on the Edge Radio with Megan Edge each month on Transformation Talk Radio as Megan provides you with ways of sustaining radical and powerful changes in your life. Enact the power of radical change. To find out more about Megan Edge, visit her website at meganedge.ca. You're driven, and it totally shows. Your career is taking off, you're killing it in the mom game. But did your health needs make it on the plate this week? Tune in to the Boss Up Babe radio show, where Carissa Adkins helps babes show up, boss up, and thrive. Every second and fourth Tuesday at 12.30 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Become the boss babe you were meant to be. To sign up for one of Carissa's group coaching programs, visit 365dailyhustle.com. Tune into Three Things I've Learned with Susan Dolce every first and third Tuesday of the month at noon Pacific, 3 o'clock Eastern on Transformation Talk Radio. Join Susan and her guests as they share the stories that shift our souls about radical transformations, courageous breakthroughs, and life lessons. Three Things I've Learned with Susan Dolce. For more information, go to TransformationTalkRadio.com or visit Susan's website at SusanDolce.com. Imagine you are a ball of steel, smooth, small, and cool to the touch. Your life will soften you with fire. You will take hits that shape you. You will be forged into a powerful, purposeful work of art. Tune in to Forging a Life with Coach Christine Clark. Joining Dr. Pat Basile in a three-part series, Truths in the Creation of Katana, on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Christine Clark, a gifted, engaging speaker and trainer who has forged her life in the fires of self-employment, will take you on a journey to exploring the internal, mental, and emotional blocks that stand between us and a life of significance through an analogy of the process of crafting a traditional Japanese sword or katana. For more information about Christine, visit sunglowtransformation.com. Hi, welcome back to Mind to Heart with your guest host today, Craig Richardson, filling in for Dr. Pat. And my guest is uh, Christina Baum, who was talking before the break about uh, how she had been diagnosed in her early 30s with cancer and how that had sort of sent her on on a trajectory. Christina, when we went to the break, you were talking about the importance of the support group that you had around you and, you know, and sort of pointed out that the the tough part about that is that that the, you do lose soldiers along the way, people that you're you're close to. Um, I imagine another thing that was sustains you is is some type of faith or spirituality. And can you talk a, a little bit about that as well? <clears throat> yeah, I think I think to 
really talk about that. I think it's more like how my faith was weathered through all three diagnoses. Like they were all very different um, in terms of faith. Like my first one, I would say was, I don't want to say easy, <laughs> like faith wise, but it was definitely a lot easier to weather, I think, in comparison to the other two. Um, it was just kind of straightforward. Like I felt like I was in a really great place with my faith, like when I got first diagnosed. And um, I remember that day, all I wanted was people to pray for me. And so I emailed pretty much just anyone I could that was in my dress book. Um, I just kind of wrote out a little update of what was going on with me and people I hadn't even talked to in a while. I was just really desperate for prayer. Um, and I, I mean, nothing like this had ever happened to me, you know, so I didn't know what that meant. And I just, I just wanted support and, um, people to really like seeking the Lord for me. So, um, and that just kind of snowballed into that. You, I just felt like this rally of support the whole first three months of that first diagnosis. And it was amazing. Like some people, like I hadn't heard from in forever reached out and were just so kind. Um, but then I do think that some of the pitfalls and a lot of cancer patients talk about this is that you get people that like kind of come in hot and they'll do like one really nice thing. And then they like zip on out and you never hear from them again. Mm. Um, and so with that, I think, I mean, I'll try to be like succinct, but cause I could talk about it forever, but it really made me think of just how I loved on the mission field and how and nothing against short-term missions i think short-term missions are amazing you know when used correctly and they're a great tool in, in furthering the gospel but i know like i in some of the short-term work that i'd done you know i would like it shuttled into this like third world country and like love on these kids for a week you know who didn't even have parents and then when i'm getting ready to leave i'm like peeling an eight-year-old off of me who's like screaming and crying and like you know it's hard to like go back, uh, you know, disrupt your life and find enough money to keep, to go back all the time. So, and I just kind of felt like, wow, like I've done that myself, you know, where I've gone in and done something big and then like I zip right back out. And like, that's just not how I want to love like long-term. So like, I'd say like in my first diagnosis, that was really more the tangible impact for me. Um, is that it really, helped me understand like what is compassion what does compassion mean in the new testament like the greek word for compassion in the new testament means to suffer with and so how am i suffering with my brothers and sisters in the faith like or people in general um like i really just wanted to love better and love well this side of heaven while i still have time um so now is a time where i can do that and that's probably gonna look like some hard investment there's gonna be like a lot of iron sharpens iron there's there's gonna be challenges to investing in loving people well in the way that god calls us to love and that's not always like zipping in and then zipping out if that makes sense uh, yeah absolutely and, and you know we all because and i think from the other side of that too and i've been obviously on that side you, you sometimes it's from that person's perspective they just don't know what to do anymore and, and i think particularly those people which i tend to be a little bit if you're empathetic, it's, it's sometimes it's, it, you feel that pain so intensely of somebody else. And so you're a little bit at a loss, I think. And and so I think from your perspective, you probably did have that core group of people and, and some, were, some were most likely people who had cancer themselves, but there were probably other people maybe that you didn't even expect that are still with you now that you didn't expect that. that oh would. yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, I mean, having cancer, it's such a raw place to be, you know, like you are trying to like mentally, like wrap your head around this huge life changing event. And, um, and I will say like after three months, like, and again, like I was a young person, like, so it's like a lot of young people aren't used to having friends that have cancer. So, um, a lot of people like don't understand like, oh, why are you still dealing with cancer? You know, you already had surgery. It's already removed. And it was like, it's not that simple. Yeah, so, <laughs> but like some of the older people like totally get it. They're like, oh, wow, this is a long haul situation. You know, so I do think like there's like an age component to it. But I will say like, you know, like certainly there's some people that were had just weathered all of it with me. Um, and it's just. I mean, people who kind of see me in those like walks of life are just so near and dear to my heart. 
um, and just understand like what I've been through and how hard it is and how raw it is. And just like, you feel so helpless and um, you feel so needy, you know, and that's like needy is such an uncomfortable feeling for so many people. So like no one wants to feel needy, you know? So um, that's like, it was just kind of a, a tough part in that way. Um, and the second and third diagnosis, I struggle with my faith in different ways, but, um, the first one was just like, it was kind of like, all right, we're getting your feet wet and then we're just going to start throwing bombs at you. (laughs) (laughs) I I was wondering if, uh, you know, and I'm reminded, are you, do you, are you familiar with the movie Forrest Gump? Yes. So, you know, there's that scene with Lieutenant Dan's up on the mast and he's screaming basically at God based in, you know, he, he was a it was in the middle of a hurricane he's like is this all you got he's like taunting him I mean did you have that moment or moments where you're like you know second or third diagnosis? I mean what, what's going on here I've done everything by the book when I mean do you have did you have those kind of falling out of those of those fist fights with God somewhere along the line yeah definitely um I mean I think it was like more in the second diagnosis because that one was much more serious and we didn't know if I was going to respond to therapy um, in the second one, um, and even the third one was even more serious than that. So I think it's, it's more just kind of like, you know, why, why would you have me go through this so many times, God, you know, and like you shake your fist at God and like, why does it feel like nothing's consistent? Like, I don't understand. And it's just so scary, you know, like, I mean, my, the third time when I had the brain tumor, um, melanoma tumor in my brain, um, you know, my doctor said, he was just like, yeah, I don't, he's like, yeah, you might die. That's a very real possibility. And people with the genetic makeup of the tumor I have don't live very long. So, um, I mean, maybe like six to six to 12 months. And so, um, you know, I mean, I was dealing with very real questions. Like, am I going to outlive the shampoo in my shampoo bottle, you know? Mm. And like, that's just terrifying. And so just Lord, like, why, like, what is going on, you know? And, and what do you want with my life? Like, how is this glorifying you, God, you know? And just like a gazillion questions like that. And, um, and I think it's just, you have to kind of rest in the not knowing, which is so uncomfortable for a lot of people. Um, And you just kind of have to, rest in what does achievement because i'm an achiever so like what does achievement look like for god you know it's just really just trusting him and resting in him and sometimes that's just that in of itself is so uncomfortable because we in our society we want to like fix it we want to do something about it and change it and that's just not always what god has like called us to do i mean he created us to literally be asleep one third of our lives so (laughs) so that means like that's clearly like a big deal to him. So um, sometimes just like resting in him is the best way we can give him glory with our lives. And and like Lieutenant Dan, did you have a moment of, you know, sort of where you had that wrestling match or did you have some peace afterwards? I assume you did. I mean, you look, you know, you're generally a peaceful person. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's a, it's a daily, it's a daily struggle or walk, I guess, like to just constantly look at it. I mean, now, I feel like I'm on the other side of it. It's more like looking back and, and what I'm trying not to fall into now is like, what, what would my life have looked like had I never had cancer? You know, how would my life be different? You know, would I be like a vice president of a company or um, like, I don't know, like what that might look like. So it's hard not to like fall into that trap of like those questions, but really just, yeah, what if? yeah. yeah cause it's definitely not a path like I chose for myself. <laughs> um, so, but I right. just have to trust like one movie I'll, I'll tell you is soul surfer. Um, what's the name of soul surfer. I'll have to look that up. So it's a movie about Bethany Hamilton and she loses her arm and shark attack. But anyways, at the end, she basically says, I've been able to love even more people like having had this happen than I would if I had both arms. Mm. And that's kind of how I feel felt where it's like I've been able to do more with my life with these challenges versus had I'd never had them I guess so um so for that I'm grateful and I just I just want more hope for more other more patients that are out there that are that had been struggling just like me well you are as I said a phenomenal inspiration for people and when we get into our last segment I want to get into a little bit more because you have a race coming up and and uh Mm -hmm. 
you've done you've been raising money for for research and you've been a patient's advocate so i want to get hear a little bit more of that you know in terms of because you are literally turning your situation into grace and, and love for other people in ways that are that are amazing can you give out your uh, twiddle twitter handle again sure it's at christina with a k uh christina bomb all together so at christina bomb and that's my Twitter handle. And then Instagram, my DMs are open at kbombruns. Uh, yeah. Run, Forest Run, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and to get a hold of me, it's uh, my website is craigerichardson.com. And when we get back, we'll uh, spend our last segment with Christina. Thank you. The Truth is Funny Shift Happens with monthly guest host Karen Benton. Tune in for powerful conversations about health and wellness. Karen brings unique insights rich with humor and science to her discussions with experts in medicine, movement, psychology, spirituality, and so much more. Don't miss Karen on The Truth is Funny every third Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. For more information about Karen, visit KarenBetton.com. Hi, everyone. I'm the host of Nothing But Now, Mindful Living with Dr. Mary Angela McGuire on Transformation Talk Radio. I share ideas, insights, and tools you can use to release yourself from fearful and negative thinking and live from a place of clarity and confidence. Please join me in each show where we challenge ourselves to change together. Please go to my website, mcguirelifecoach.com. That's mcguirelifecoach.com. See you next time. It's time to shake out your money-making truth on Soul Wisdom Abundance with Jennifer Bloom, creating wealth from spiritual health on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This hit show is more than your roadmap to success. It's your compass to abundance through joy and ease. Jennifer Bloom teaches you about the soul's relationship to money and wealth and how improving that relationship serves both you and the world. Learn more at JenniferBloom.com. Mind to Heart with me, Craig Richardson, carves a pathway from your mind to your heart to activate that innate compass to overcome whatever life sends your way. As an intuitive life coach, I am ready to guide you to an amazing life. Tune in live every second and fourth Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. For more information about me, visit CraigERichardson.com. We remember a time when you could simply form a thought and it would manifest. The harmony was forgotten, but it is returning now. The power of inspiration and awakening radio with Juliet Griffin on TransformationTalkRadio.com each second and fourth Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific. We'll take you on adventures through the heart and spirit exploring who we once were. This intuitive healer studied under the guidance of wolves, learning from their wisdom to master a higher frequency for a new state of mind. Visit OneTrueSelf.com. It's time to get your life back on Burn Bright Today with Jennifer Marcinelli. Tune in each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Learn to move from the darkness of burning out to the light of burning bright. Jennifer is redefining stress and the energetic causes of burnout, shining a light on process to get your life back. For more information about Jennifer and her work, visit BurnBrightToday.com. Hi, welcome back to Mind to Heart with your guest host today, Craig Richardson. I'm filling in, as you know, for Dr. Pat uh, and her show. And I'm uh, really uh, delighted to have with me today, Christina Baum, who was uh, telling us through her experiences with three times uh, with cancer. Uh, and Christina, before the break, you were talking about some of the things you were doing, you know, starting to do or, or had done, you know, through your outreach, that your way basically of giving back. Um, can you talk a little about patient's advocacy was one, and then all of a sudden also what you're doing with that, the FDA non-approved drugs? Yeah, so, um, I mean, basically right now, I've kind of parlayed a lot of my athletic goals. So during or after my second diagnosis, I felt so weak that I just knew I never wanted to feel like that again. I really wanted to feel strong and <clears throat> and I really got on board with just having like women and, and certainly men too, just like feel strong and feel good, feel capable. Um, I mean, I couldn't even like lift my arms, like wash my hair over my head because the drugs had like taken so much from me. Um, so I, 
I just started off small, you know, I started off with just like trying to do one little like modified push up and then like walk a mile. And then like I would start on weekends turning that into more and more and just slowly build from there. But it always, you just have to start with one step, right? So, um, and one step can turn into two and two turns into four and it just grows. And so for me, I committed to doing my first triathlon, which was the hardest, one of the hardest things I've ever trained for. So I'm not a competitive swimmer at all. Mm. Um, I thought I was like, well, how hard can it be? I mean, Michael Phelps makes it look so easy, right? So, I mean, you know, how hard is that? So it's actually really hard. (laughs) So I swam my first 25 yards and I thought I was going to die. So like getting the breathing down and all that. But anyways, like um, I did it and so I just thought, well, you know, I could probably do this again and running is more my passion. Um, so, but I still enjoyed all of them. So, um, I just kind of kept training. And so 2018, I just made a commitment to myself. I was just like, look, you know, I'm going to run as many half marathons as I can. And so I ended up doing seven total oh and cause I moved back to DC during that time. And then I did my first marathon. I did the Marine Corps marathon in October. Um, which was so great. I had wanted to do that and training was fantastic. I had the best time. I mean, it was hard, but I loved it. Um, <clears throat> so I just kind of kept, go- kept on going from there. Um, so now I've run about three marathons and an ultra. I did my first 50 K this past fall. Um, and so now I'm training for Chicago. Um, but my main message that I just want people to know, I mean, specifically cancer patients is that, you know, you can do hard things. And the best way that we beat cancer is by how we live our lives. You know, Mm. once you let cancer start beating you and your quality of life, that's, that's when it starts to win. So when I was on treatment, I mean, even like radiation, you know, like a couple years ago, there were some days where all I could do is get out of bed and get myself dressed. And if that's all I could do, that's okay. Um, That was, to me, that was a workout that day. Wow. And then maybe the next day, we'll see what my body could give me. Maybe the next day I could get up and I can do, you know, maybe five squats, air squats, no weights, just that's it. And if that's what my body will give me, then great. That's better than zero. So, and it was just, that's how I had to live my life for a long time, you know, and it really is just listening to your body and what your body will give you, but you need to be able to like push yourself a little too. Um, not to the point of like complete exhaustion or pain, but I think you just have to be smart um, and really just build strength where you can in terms of what your body will allow you to do. Um, So that's how I had to manage it. And some races were easier than others. Like some days it felt like I had like a windsock behind me. Like that's how hard it was to to run. Um, My times dramatically dropped. Um, and that's just, it was awful, but it's just something I had to deal with. Um, it's just part of it. So, um, I feel like I'm still trying to recover my speed a little bit still even, but, um, I'm just thankful that I have the ability to get out there and run and to do what I love. Um, even if it is just distress relief and I'm probably, you know, never going to be like an Olympic time qualifier or anything like that. You're already a champion that you're getting out there and doing all that. And, and, you know, there's a lot more to it than that. I mean, and, and when is Chicago, when is the actual race? So Chicago is October 10th this year. October 10th. Yep. And I know if they get a hold of you, they can, uh, you could get that Twitter out again. They could, there's a link that you can, cause you're raising money for that as part, part That's of That's correct. Yes. Yep. So, um, I'm raising money, uh, for Jack's fund. Um, Jack Marston is a man who was in his forties who died of melanoma. Um, so now his wife, Sharon, um, runs Jack Marston fund. Um, so the whole fund's purpose is to raise money for melanoma research. They're based in the Chicago area. And so they're my official, uh, charity partner for the Chicago marathon this year. Great. And how many are on his team? Don't they have like teams and all or? Yes. So, um, I think we're 20, maybe So somewhere around there, but I think there's still bids available. So if you're signing up for Chicago, definitely consider running for the, for Jack's fund. Uh, it's a fantastic group. It comes with a coach. Uh, we do weekly meetings. It's been an amazing community of folks who just 
care about fighting melanoma and who also care about running. So, which are two of my favorite things. So, I yeah. That. Um, and I got to ask you, so where are you? And so you've been diagnosed three times. So where, where are you now in, in with the cancer? <clears throat> yeah. So I'm doing really good right now. So, um, I am, as what they call NED or no evidence of disease. So as of right now, there's, as we know it, there's no cancer in my body. Um, praise God. Uh, then I get monitored every three months. So I get brain MRIs every three months and I get CTs every three months. Uh, and then I have derm checks along the way. Um, so I have a CT next week, on the 31st. So whatever day, I think that's a couple of weeks. Um, so I'm doing good with that. Um, and I actually uh, signed up to get uh, my COVID vaccine uh, today. Oh, so, okay. I, I, yeah, I was going to ask you, because obviously you probably had to stay stay out of a lot of that stuff, I guess, because of the being being cancer survivor. Yes. So it's been it's actually been really challenging for me to get a vaccine, uh, uh, even being in a part of your zip code and with my history. So uh, DC's made it a little tougher. But fortunately, uh, Hopkins contacted me this morning and I have now been scheduled for my first dose of vaccine. So I'm excited. And one less thing, hopefully I have to worry about. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, how are these or are these these three month checkups still fairly I mean they must be a little bit heart and throat kind of thing right every time you go because it must be still <clears throat> yeah the CTs I feel like are a little easier to deal with now the brain MRIs are much harder just because um you know brain metastases is much more serious uh yeah. so when melanoma reaches your brain it's really hard to um get it to go away permanently so um, it's definitely always going to be in the back of my mind. I'm always afraid if it's going to return or come back. I mean, every little like headache or symptom, it's hard not to let that thought enter your head that this could be something more serious. Um, my doctor has been fantastic. So he's just encouraged me that, Hey, look, give yourself some grace. Like this is, this is just probably how it's going to be the rest of your life. You're just going to have this fear that's just sitting there. So uh, I try not to let it consume me. Uh, certainly exercise and running helps a lot. Yeah. Um, but I mean, all I have is today and the best I can give today is um, what God has given me. So. Well, and that's a, a wonderful attitude, I think, to, to live by. And we only have about a minute or so left. Um, I think what impresses me so much is is that you've taken this, you know, holistically, you've taken a mind, body and soul, which I really think is the only way that you know, that you can take something as, as traumatic as this. And, and in doing so, you've now been, a, as I said, a beacon or a light for others. It, can you leave our uh, listeners with any last minute thoughts? And then again, how to get a hold of you and, and find, you know, find this race uh, site? Yeah, I would say, I mean, if you exercise or if you don't exercise, get out and do it. I mean, I remember just thinking, man, I wish I could just get out and go for a walk just because I can. Um, so I think so many people take their physical ability for granted these days. Um, I mean, God gave us the ability to walk and run and do physical activity. Um, it really is a celebration of the life God has given us and the ability that he's given us. So I think just embrace it. And I mean, just do it. It's just one of the best ways we can beat cancer every single day um, for your friends and for yourself, uh, just get out there and do it and celebrate who he's made you to be. Um, and if you want to reach me and continue the conversation at all, you can reach me on Instagram at K runs or on Twitter at Christina bomb. Well, Christina, I really appreciate it. You're, you're a hero, uh, did what you've been through, as I said, an inspiration and, and really, I hope people that listen today will, contact you because it's it's you know what you've done in terms of turning that adversity is, is really remarkable and i really thank you for, for appearing here with me today and also i want to thank dr pat for allowing me to fill in for her and we look forward to having her uh, return quickly so thank you very much for joining us today thank you so much this was a treat